0: Good evening, praise the Lord. One thing I like about this pulpit, if I catch anybody sleeping, I just bring it right over to where you are, amen? <laughs> yes. Well, what a blessing, it's such a joy to to be with you again and uh, excited about this morning and great to see you back this evening. Take your Bibles and go with me if you would to the book of Psalm. We want to begin in Psalm chapter one nineteen. Psalm one nineteen. You're going to see a word in each of these four verses. I'm going to give you, and that's what I'm going to be preaching on this evening. And I want you to find the word as we go through it. Okay? There's one word that sticks out, and you'll see it as we go through it. Psalm chapter one nineteen seventy four. The Bible says, "They that fear thee." shall be made glad. Psalm 111:10 Psalm 111:10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom a good understanding have all they that do his commandments his praise endureth forever. The third verse is in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 Proverbs chapter 1 Verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You ever try to talk to somebody and they they wouldn't listen to you? It's sad, isn't it, when people are not teachable. And then the fourth verse is in Proverbs nine ten. Proverbs chapter nine verse ten. Notice the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. What is the word that is used in these verses? Fear. Fear. I don't know about here, but over in the States there's a philosophy of life not to fear anything. There's bumper stickers and that say no fear. And uh, another sticker they use is question authority. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? We're living in a day when people have no fear. Uh, People jumping off buildings, taking bicycles down mountain mountainsides. I don't know if any of you have ever seen any of that, but I'm like, wow. Either that person is crazy or they're very balanced. But the fear, the fear seems to be gone in many people's eyes. They have no fear of God, no fear of hurting others. Uh, They're living to please themselves, and that's very dangerous. And I I think that there are some things we ought to fear. I believe that fearing God brings revival. If we fear God, we will keep His commandments. If we fear God, we will honor Him in all things. Some people try to live a double standard, a double life. They live one way at church, and then they live something else out during the week. The people out there don't know them as Christians, but they want you to believe that they're Christians. They have no fear of God, and I think that's something that is really hurting the Christian when we don't fear. Now, there are some things that I don't fear. I don't fear that I can never lose my salvation. Because I'm kept by the power of God. Amen? Amen. I'm in the Father's hand. No man can pluck me out. That's right. Um, I I don't fear. I don't fear that, um, that God will stop loving me. There's a verse of Scripture uh, that I, I think all of us ought to be reminded of, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I am loved regardless of how I live. That's unconditional love. Amen. Amen. Now, whom the Lord loveth, He's going to chasten you. And if you're without chastening, you aren't one of His. That's something to think about. Now, I want to give you six things that I really fear. Now, fear is a good thing. Amen? If I fear getting burnt on the stove, I'll not touch the stove when it's red hot. Amen? I fear... I fear that I could fall off a cliff if I got too close to the edge. But there's some things that I must fear as a Christian in order to have spiritual revival. And the question is, am I willing to fear these things that I might be filled with the power of the Spirit of God? There are certain things that God puts conditions on. If my people which are called by my name, shall do what? Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked way, then will I what? Hear from heaven, and I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. That's conditional. It's just like getting saved. You can only get saved through Jesus Christ. That's abundantly clear throughout the Scriptures. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be Saved, See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So um, it's pretty clear that there are conditions that God puts upon his word and upon us. Now, let's take a look at some things. Number one, I fear that I could become backslidden and bitter toward God. I want you to think about that and I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. I fear that I could get backslidden and bitter toward God. You say, well, I guess that's a good thing to fear. I mean, the Bible talks about bitterness and talks about sinning against the Lord, sinning against others, not having a forgiving spirit. Here's the thing. If I get backslidden... What I'm doing is I am telling God I don't have to live by your guidelines. I can do whatever I want. Have you ever heard the phrase nobody's going to tell me what to do? You ever hear that? How many have ever thought it? You don't have to raise your hand. I ask you to tack onto that little phrase nobody's going to tell me what to do not even God. We can't do what we want to do. And have God's blessing. Our nature is wicked. Our nature is fallen. The Bible says man is born of woman few days and is full of trouble. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You wonder why some people can do some what we would call horrendous things. None of us are above that in our nature. But thanks be to God which gives us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that one of the dangers, and we should fear that we could become backslidden on God. Now, do you have to be out of church to be backslidden? No. You can be a faithful, dedicated, consecrated member of the church. You could be on staff. You could be serving in the teaching ministries of the church and not be right with God. That's very possible. You'll hear of people that fall into sin or get away from God or have to, you know have to step down for some reason. Why? It's because they don't fear God. And they allow themselves to do things that could disqualify them. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, the Bible says, Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Have you ever gotten around somebody that's bitter? Or they have a cloud over their head? I try to avoid people like that when they come in, you know? Uh, Some people, when you talk to them, you don't want to ask them how they're doing, because they'll tell you, and it won't be good, and you've heard it before, and they're going to say it again. It's one of those deals, you know. But really, when a person is backslidden on God, it affects everybody around them. And uh, I want to also say that people that are Spirit-filled affects everybody around them. I'll tell you what, when you get somebody that is on fire for God, even Christians will look at him a little strange and say, oh, what's wrong with him? Well, no, no, what's right with him and what's wrong with you? How come you're not allowing God to have free access to your life and allow him to have his way in your life? I believe we need boldness in this day to stand true to God. And we can't do that. We're in a backslidden state or we're bitter on God. Backsliding produces a poisonous tongue. A critical spirit justifies worldliness. That whole philosophy is, well, you know, we're in this world, but we don't have to be a part of this world, but, you know, why is it so many Christians are worldly? I mean, it's hard sometimes now to be able to tell the difference between a Christian and a person that's lost. Why is that? Because we've allowed the philosophy of worldliness to come in, and what does it do? It hinders our testimony and causes us to be backslidden. A perfect example of that is saying, well, I'm going to listen to what I want to listen to. I'm going to watch what I want to watch. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, you better make sure that God gives His approval over it. Amen. It's not the pastor that's watching over you to make sure you do everything right. You have the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you to do everything right. And we can be victorious, but we can't get bitter and backslidden on God. Do you fear that? Do you fear that could happen to you? How many of you know somebody that's gotten away from the Lord and maybe they're no longer in church? Would you raise your hand? Can you think of someone? Doesn't that break your heart? Let me tell you something. That could be you. And I fear that some people, listen to this, I fear that some people that are not saved who profess to be saved get away from God and they don't even feel bad about it. And here we think they're saved, but the truth is they're not. Let me tell you something. God wants us to be clean before Him and live a holy life and honor Him in all that we say and all that we do. Number two, I fear that I could become banished from Holy Spirit power. Now, I have a question. Have you ever been filled with the Spirit? Being filled with the Spirit is not difficult. It's not difficult at all. I don't believe that any of the works of the Spirit that God has for us are difficult. I think what we do is we make the Christian life difficult because we won't surrender everything to God. But what is this problem that we face? Not having the power of God. Well, some people have never seen the power of God in anyone else. How could they experience it themselves? How many have ever read through the Bible and you saw God's power on people and it was like, man, I wish I had that. I believe God wants us to have that. Just because it's 2018 doesn't mean that we have to go from from defeat to defeat. We should be going from victory to victory. That's what the Christian life is. The Christian life is a spirit-filled life. In Psalm chapter 62, verse 11, the Bible says, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto the Lord. So the only way that I can get God's power is to go to God for power. Amen. You say, how do I get God's power? You get alone with God, you get a piece of paper and a pencil, and instead of you doing all the talking in your prayer, quit talking, quit praying, Just stop and say, now, Lord, I want you to talk to me. How many of you believe that God, through His Spirit, can talk to you? Amen. You know how He does it? He tells us what Jesus wants us to know. The Bible clearly teaches that, doesn't it? That the Holy Spirit is not there to minister Himself, but to do the bidding of the Son. And Jesus has something He'd like to say to you. Wouldn't it be something if Jesus just walked in and came over here and said, I'm going to do a little um, survey of the church here. And I'm going to tell every one of you what you need to be doing. That That could be a very interesting service. Well, I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit's been trying to tell you that, but you're not listening. You understand that? Here's what happens when you get along with God and you get a pen and a piece of paper and you start saying, just say, Lord, speak to me. If there's anything wrong in my life, I want you to bring it to light. I want you to tell me what it is. And you'll be sitting there a couple minutes and the Holy Spirit will say, you know, uh, you're, you're bitter towards so-and-so and I'm not going to hear your prayers till you get that straightened out. Amen. So you better get it straightened out. This one girl in a Bible college was a habitual liar. Now, the Bible does say all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. I I hope she was saved, but uh, she had a problem with lying. So she went to the president of the college and she said, I have a problem with lying. I lie all the time. And she goes, how do I get cured of that? He said, well, go back to everybody you lied to and ask their forgiveness. (gasps) She said, I couldn't do that. That would be embarrassing. He said, "No, it would cure you." And so, <clears throat> about three or four days later, she came back to the President and she said, "I just talked to the seventy-first seventy-one people, and I'm free. I'm free from lying. Is't that beautiful? Now she could be on her face before God and praying all these prayers, and the Lord's not even hearing her. Did you know that it's possible for God not to hear your prayers? We'll get into that in just a moment. But the power of the Holy Spirit can be evident in three ways. It can be evident in your personal life. The power of the Spirit of God can be useful in your personal life where you sense God's presence. Have you ever been in a church service where you sense God's presence? That's a beautiful thing. But have you ever had... God's presence show up in your devotional time. There have been times I'd be reading my Bible and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just grips my heart over something I read and I will have tears in my eyes as I think about how precious God is and I feel like He's right there. And the truth is He is. And He loves to fellowship with us and He loves to hear from us. Have you ever had somebody you love never call you? I remember my dad called me one day and said, Dan, I just wanted to call to see if you were still alive. It's been so long since we talked. I was ashamed of myself. I wonder how often God would love to fellowship and talk with you, but you're too busy. Our personal life, that time alone with God is very important. If your personal life is right, then your family life will be right. Oh, did you know the devil likes to destroy families? He's a master at destroying families. If I'm not right with God, it's going to affect my wife. Oh yeah, she don't even want to be around me if I'm not where I ought to be spiritually. When I am where I'm supposed to be spiritually, she loves to be around me. What makes the difference? It's the presence and the power of the Spirit of God in my life that draws us close. And our children as well. But then what about your public life? Don't you think that the power of God here in this town, the people of this town ought to know those people, there's something about them. They seem to have God's power in their life. They're victorious. They're happy. They're content. They're godly. They're not bitter. They, have the, they care about everybody, it seems. And they want me to know God too. You know what's sad is a religion that asks nobody to come and meet their God. These dead churches, these religious institutions that are dead, they don't try to get anybody to come to their church because they don't know God. They really don't. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. But you that know the Lord, you that are seeking the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, are going to be used to draw people to the Lord. We're not crazy, we're just contagious. Amen? Don't, don't be weird and crazy in in the way you conduct yourself. Have a spirit of revival and a joy about what you're doing. And promote Jesus Christ. He is the one that brings people. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to myself. Amen. He can't draw people to himself if we are not pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. That giving out a track every day, that's a good thing. That's a real good thing. Many churches don't even have track racks anymore, pastor. They've gotten away from it. And I believe that's one of the great sins that's found in the churches is when they forget or say, we don't want to be aggressive or confrontational. Let me tell you something. Jesus went everywhere preaching. That's what He did. And He taught His disciples to do the same thing. And I don't think anything's changed as far as God's plan is concerned. God's not scratching His head in 2018 saying, boy, I wonder if I made the right choice in the way I presented what I wanted our people to do. No, no, no. God's got a perfect plan. And He just needs perfect people to perform that perfect plan. Amen? We must ask the Lord for Holy Spirit power. Number three. I fear that I could be barred from the throne of God. And I've mentioned that really already. But take your Bibles and go to Psalm 66. Would you for a moment? I want to show you three interesting things in the verse that so often we quote without quoting the others. Go with me to Psalm 66, and I want to draw your attention to three things here. Notice with me, <clears throat> in verse 15, the Bible says, well, let's begin at verse 13. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth hath spoken. When I was in trouble, I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings. With the incense of rams, I will offer bullocks with goats. Selah. Come and hear, all ye that... what? Notice that, the word fear God. And I will declare what He hath done for me, for my soul. I cried unto Him with my mouth, and He extolled me with my tongue. Notice verse 17, circle the word cried. I believe that we must cry out to God. We must be men and women, boys and girls that know how to cry out to God. Look at verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? Hear me. me. Now think about this. Is it possible that I could be banned from being heard by God in heaven? Apparently what it says here is that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? Can you imagine this? Now I'm, I'm just I'm using an illustration here. Can you imagine the Lord saying, um, "Folks, uh, we're not taking any calls from Dan Knickerbocker right now. Um, uh, he's transgressed uh, my law and has violated the principles of my word. And uh, until he gets that straightened out, I, I'm not accepting any of his calls." Then I ask the question: Well, how many of my prayers are really being heard anyway? of my prayers are being heard. Think about it. I think a lot of the prayers that people pray who are not right with God, God doesn't hear those prayers. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, what does it do? It availeth much. What he's trying to get us to understand is that we, our prayers can be barred from God's throne. And that's sad. That's something that we ought to fear. Man, I want to be able to get a hold of God, not only in the bad times, but I want to be able to get a hold of God in the good times. I want God to hear my prayers and I want God to answer my prayers. Look at the next verse. So we see the cry in verse 17. We see the condition in verse 18, but then notice with me verse 19. And I love this verse because it takes the, the, it takes the sadness out of verse 18, but he says, but, Verily, God hath what? He's heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. I can get a hold of God. God can hear me. God can answer me. Have you ever asked the Lord for things? I remember one time we came over to Ireland, and we were uh, we also went up to Iceland and and uh, and then England. Now, this was a number of years ago, two thousand seven. Our daughter came with us, and we had tickets that cost. What was it about uh, about thirteen hundred dollars? And um, I didn't have the money. I charged it, you know, charge anyway. Uh, so I'm on the way to the airport. It's been over thirty days since I charged those tickets, and I didn't have the money to pay it. And I'm I'm just kind of talking to the Lord on the way to the airport. Lord, I don't I don't have the money, and we're stepping out by faith to do this, and we're trusting you. And uh, I sure would love for you to take care of that. And then I just dropped it. That was it. We get to the airport. And the uh, fella comes over to the speaker and says, we need three people uh, to, to take a, 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 a half hour later flight and we'll give you $400 per ticket. So we went right up there and, and uh, you know, that was a blessing, at $1,200. And so I just put it in an envelope with a deposit slip and sent it right to the bank. Now, how many of you think maybe God heard that prayer? I'm inclined to believe that. And uh, he took care of it. It was all taken care of. And I thought, thank you, Lord. What a relief, what a blessing. Do you realize that God can do things like that? God can do wonderful things. How about reaching people for Christ? I came home from the college one day and my wife is uh, is crying. Now, when a husband comes home and the wife is crying, that's not good. And I thought, what's wrong, you know? You're married to the perfect man. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, what's wrong? She said, you wouldn't understand. (laughs) I wouldn't understand? She goes, no, you wouldn't. I said, what do you mean? She goes, all your family's saved and my family's lost. And boy, we went to praying right there. You know, there's sometimes when you don't know what to do, best thing to do is to pray. We prayed together. And I want to tell you what was happening She was getting on her face before the Lord and crying out to God, Oh God, save my brother, he's dying. They had sent him home to wait for hospice and he didn't have long. Um, While God is listening to my wife's prayer, he told Betty, the sister-in-law, to go to a yard sale. Well, there was a deacon having a yard sale, and she found something she wanted. So she went and got David. He came with a walker because he was very feeble. But he he went down to see what she wanted to buy, and he told the guy that was doing the um, yard sale. He said, um, "I'm dying. The doctors have sent me home, and it's just a matter of time. There's nothing they can do." You know what this man said. This Deacon he said, "Could I come and have a Bible study in your home?" And he said, "Yeah, David would barely let in talk to him about spiritual things, but that man came, led that man, led David to Christ, and Betty too, both of them got saved right there. They ended up coming to church, in fact, Betty still goes to the church there david's now in heaven, but what i 'm saying to you is this you don 't want." God to bar your prayers. You want to be able to get a hold of God. You don't want anything to come between you and God. That's sacred. And you better fear that, that it could happen to you, that you could be barred from God's throne. I want access to God. I want to know that my prayers are being heard. Don't you? I love Psalm 13. Would you turn there for just a moment? I want to show you to you real quick. Psalm 13. This is a beautiful psalm. It starts out a little bit negative. It's kind of interesting. The the uh, the psalmist here, the psalm of David, when he starts praying, he sounds like he's a little upset. L- Notice how he prays. Now, this is sometimes how we pray. L- listen to this. Psalm 13. You ready? How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? Mm-hmm. You bless everybody else, but you don't bless me. <sighs> Forever. Mm-hmm. Are you not going to not going to remember me anymore at all? Forever, forever is a long time. How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemies be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord. My God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against Him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Everything changes. at Verse 5, watch this. But I have trusted in Thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in Thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because He hath dealt bountifully with me. Notice how the whole prayer changes. (laughs) You know, hey, you want to get right with God? Just start praying. Lord, You know I'm a mess. You know I'm struggling. You know I've been defeated. You know I haven't treated my wife right. I mean my husband. (laughs) The kids. The dog. Lord, forgive me for these transgressions. I want to tell you something. The windows of heaven will open. And God will be there to move on your behalf. The Bible talks in Isaiah, I don't have time to get into it, but you look at Psalm, I mean Isaiah 30, 18. The Bible says, therefore will the Lord wait. Now you just think about that for a minute. Therefore will the Lord wait. Did you know that we're supposed to be waiting on God, not making God wait on us? We should be bombarding Him. Lord, I need you to do this if it's for your glory. Lord, I want you to do this if it's for your glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Delight thyself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. God's waiting for you to call upon him that he might intervene. Why is prayer the last resort? It ought to be the first thing that we do. Lord, I commit this thing to you and I'm going to trust you to answer it and I like waiting on you. I'm going to stop making you wait. I'm going to start waiting on you. And I want to tell you, it's an exciting life when you wait on God. That's one of the great characteristics of the Christian life is to know how to wait on God. It's a beautiful truth. Moving right along. Number four. I fear that I could be banned from God's service. I fear this. I really fear this, Pastor. Better men than I have fallen. Better church members than any one of you have fallen. Let him that thinketh, he standeth, take heed lest he what? We've got to be very careful. We must ask God to help us to stay true to His Word. There's a lot of scriptures about this. Remember John Mark? He was a quitter, wasn't he? Remember John Mark? Paul said, I'm not taking a quitter. But Barnabas, he said, you go ahead and take Silas. And I'll take John Mark. Thank God for Barnabas, men that know how to restore people. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, if you needed restoring, wouldn't you be thrilled if somebody cared about you? Yes. I heard one time of a fellow that left the church. He got upset about some crazy thing and he left the church and For over a month, nobody contacted him. Finally, the pastor went by to see him. And he said to the pastor, those people don't care about me. What do you mean they don't care about me, about you? The pastor said. He said, well, it took you a month to get here. And nobody's contacted me, called me, phoned me, made any contact with me at all. It's as though they don't even care that I'm not there." Now here's the sad part. He used that as an excuse to stay away from God. I don't think we should give anybody an excuse to stay away from God. Amen. We ought to go to them with a broken heart and say, you're not right with God. You say, they'll get mad at me. Who cares? Because that's probably the truth. And if they aren't right with God, you rang their bell. Amen. I like hard cases. Only God can break hard cases. I had a preacher that I was praying for that fell. Ten years he was on my prayer list. I went to a preacher's meeting one night. This guy tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around and I won't give his name, but I said, Wow, how are you doing? He said, Well, he said, I'm God chasing me and I'm back where I should be and I'm going to serve the Lord. Thanks for your prayers. And I said, It's an honor. Boy, I couldn't wait to get home and write down in my prayer list that God had brought a hard case back to the Lord. See, he was in a swimming act, in an accident, and he almost drowned. And he said, "God, if you'll..." He, he kept on trying to come up to reach the boat, and he couldn't couldn't find the boat, and he's drowning. He said, "Oh God, if you'll save me, I'll serve you the rest of my life." And he reached up, and the boat was right there. I can see the Lord going, <laughs> slid that boat over so he could grab it. Amen. Don't tell me God's not involved in the intricate details of your life. He's got your phone number and your address. Amen? He knows all about you. And He's longing for you to be right with Him. But you better fear that you could be banned from service. May God help us to be real and genuine before the Lord and walk with Him in a unique way. Oh, may we not get caught up in Satan's trap. We had a young man that came to our church. Man, he he was already saved. In fact, he was a guy that I grew up with. And he came to our church and started serving the Lord. I made him the principal of our academy. I mean, he was doing great. Single fella. The young lady came in and stole his heart. He quit his job right in the middle of the school year because he thought what she wanted was more important. And then as soon as they got away from there, she dumped him anyway. What I'm trying to say is this. Don't ever give up a sweet and powerful relationship with God for something that will not last. Oh, may God help us to make the right decisions so that we're not banned from service. Number five. I fear that I could be barren at the judgment seat of Christ. I want to give you some scripture on this. Romans chapter 4. Fourteen, verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I don't want us to be barren at the judgment seat. The Bible says we're going to receive rewards. The Bible makes it clear that if we're faithful to God and we honor the Lord with our lives, we're going to receive rewards. The crown of rejoicing. We can receive the soul winner's crown. There's, there's, what, seven or eight crowns that we can receive. And I believe that the the, the beam of seat is going to be a time where God's going to give us reward. But I want to say this to you. You could live your Christian life and do things with the wrong motive and not receive any reward. Now think about that for a minute. The pastor asked you to do something and, ah, you now you don't do it with your mouth, you just do it with your heart. <laughs> you say, well, why doesn't, he, why doesn't he get somebody else to do it? He probably asked you because you're faithful. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But you know what, you, even in your faithfulness, if you're not careful, you can lose your reward. If your motive is not right, you lose your reward. I got thinking about that after I've been pastoring for 23 years. I was like, wow. What am I really going to be rewarded for for all of those years of service? Did I do it because I had to do it or because I loved to do it? There is a difference. Some things we say we've got to do them. Well, let's do all things for the glory of God. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. You will never lose your reward if you do it for God's glory. Amen. I'm not serving people. I'm preaching to people right now, but I'm not serving people. I'm serving the Lord. Amen. God will take care of you. God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And uh, it's wonderful to, to come to that place in your life where you're doing things because you love to do them. Not because you have to, but because you love to do them. The Christian life, now you've heard this phrase. Now this is something they use in the States. You say you say to a Christian, Hey, how you doing? Well, I'm hanging in there. How many of them use that term? Is that a term they use here? Maybe not. Um, did you know that they're, what they're saying is the Christian life is hard? Did you know that's a violation of the principles of God's Word? You know what Jesus said? My yoke... Now, yoke has to do with work, doesn't it? My yoke is easy and my burden is... Light. The Bible also says that the way of a transgressor is what? It's hard. Listen, if you're not doing what you're doing as a Christian with the right motive, then the Christian life's going to be hard. Oh, it's so difficult. Oh, I'm just hanging in there. Or you're going, man, this is great. I get to serve the Lord every day of my life. He takes care of my needs. I can talk to Him about anything. We have it made. We have it made. If God never did another thing for you, you still have it made. You're not going to hell. You know how to live for God. You know how to serve the Lord. And don't you think that God, in His love and His tender mercy, wants to reward us? He said, if ye being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. I love giving gifts to my children. Amen. Amen. How much more shall the Heavenly Father give good things to them that what? Ask. You have to ask. You say, well, I really wish. No, no. Stop wishing and start asking. Prayer is asking. What do you want? What do you need? God will take care of it. Amen. What I'm saying is the Christian life is a delight. (laughs) It's a journey. It's got its bumps. It's got its speed bumps. I remember one time my wife and I, we were going through a problem in the church and, oh man, it was like eating our lunch. How many of you have had it, something in your life eat your lunch? That's a phrase we use. That You probably don't understand that one. You, you probably call that lunch, don't you? Anyway, we were just struggling over something that had happened. And then six months later, ah, that was just a speed bump. That was no big deal. See, God saw us through it. What appeared to be a mountain really became a molehill. And I want to tell you something. Satan wants something to happen in your life to try to throw you. To try to defeat you. To try to discourage you. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Your reaction must be the reaction God gives to you, not your own. If somebody were to say to me, you know, you're ugly. Well, they're probably speaking the truth, so I shouldn't take offense, amen? Amen. But if somebody said, you're ugly, and so I let that just eat me up, what am I proving? I'm proving that I'm not dead to my flesh. Romans 6 says, we're to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. So when I die to sin, I become alive unto God. And the power of God takes over and gives me victory and helps me. I don't want to be barren when I stand before the Lord. Amen? And I pray that you will not either. Let's pray together, may we? I'd like us to take a couple minutes and every one of us, pray a prayer to God right now, would you? What is the need of your life? Is it being barred from God's throne? Maybe some things you're doing, you're not even praying much anymore because there are other things that you want to do and you know, if I do those things, I can't really pray because that'd be really, that'd be, you know, we don't want to pray when we're doing things we know God's not pleased with. But what about, what about getting bitter or backslidden or not being a man or woman of prayer? What is it that God spoke to you about tonight? And you honestly know that God spoke to you about something. Would you just slip your hand up? Just slip your hand up and say, God spoke to me about, and I'm not going to ask you what what, what it was, but you know what it was. A number of you raised your hands. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray right now where you are and say, Lord, this is my burden. This is my fault. I have not waited upon you. Pray to God and say, oh God, please forgive me. Please help me to have victory. I'm tired of being defeated. I'm tired of making wrong decisions. I'm tired of allowing myself to try to live in my own strength instead of living in your strength. Let God know that you want to have His presence and His power in your life. That you want victory. You're tired of being defeated. And say, Lord, I'm asking you tonight to help me. Maybe you need to get right with somebody tonight after the service. Maybe when you get home, call them or go by and see them or talk with them and get it straightened out. You say, well, they won't listen. No, hold hold it. Here's the thing. You're to do what's right regardless of they respond correctly or not. You do what's right and God will forgive you and you'll be able to be just, you'll be able to be, in a sense, sanctified from that particular thing. We need to get all things that are not right, we need to get them confessed and forsaken that we might have God's power and blessing. Pastor, why don't you come and lead the invitation as you see fit?